0: development's so complicated and there's so many, if you're just someone who wants to be creative and build ideas and like build and design out your dreams, I don't think it's ever reached the point where it's just doable. So I've been working on this thing called Tamagui for the last couple of years, I guess really, but it's kind of like a full stack, like component kit style system um, and like optimizing compiler.
1: Hello, welcome to the DevTools FM podcast. This is a podcast about developer tools and the people who make them. I'm Andrew, and this is my co host, Justin.
2: Hey, folks. Um, Our guest today is Nate Weiner. Uh, Nate is the creator of Tamagui, uh, which is a UI kit for building cross web React Native apps. Nate, it's really awesome to have you on. Uh, Before we dig into the episode, though, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I guess, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've just been like tinkering with um, with like making apps and stuff since I was like, you know, in high school, um, kind of like came on board with. Um, I think I actually just hired some guy to do like a PHP website for me once because I, I was doing like just design and like a- basic HTML and I couldn't figure out how to do backend and then just very <laughs> slowly worked my way up into like Rails eventually. I think that was like a big turning point for me where I was like oh I can actually build stuff and I think like the theme of my entire like development career has just been that I feel like it's development so c- complicated and there's so many like if you're just someone who wants to be creative and build ideas and like build and design out your dreams it's never like I don't think it's ever reached the point where it's just doable even if you're decent at programming like even if you're a really good programmer today like myself like I, I still don't feel like I can quite like pick up something and just build uh, that thing without maybe spending like months and months and like dealing with so many unnecessary complications. So I think uh, in some way or or another, I've been trying to help that come along. And I think, you know, that dream of kind of rails, I think rails was the closest I ever got to like, I can ship, you know, something that I can imagine within like a a few months or something like that and actually have it be, be nice. And so I've been working on this thing called Tamagui for the last, uh, yeah, last couple of years, I guess really, but it's kind of like a full stack, like Component kit, style system, um, and like optimizing compiler. That kind of I think, you know, one of the big I think problems in building a cross-platform app that runs on native and web is that you end up with either sacrificing a lot, like sacrificing the intuitiveness of how do you style, and then or if you do get a really nice style library, um, then you end up sacrificing performance because that style library has so many abstractions. And so that's what Tamagui is trying to solve. Is like if I can have a nice style syntax but also not have it be like terribly slow on the web and use actual like web primitives. That would be the, the dream. So trying to make it work. Um, and, and yeah, I guess that's kind of like a, High level
2: view. So we'd like to thank Raycast for sponsoring our podcast. Raycast is an app for Mac that's like Spotlight with superpowers. Besides just quickly opening files, URLs or apps, it provides clipboard history, window management, schedule overview and more. It also has a clean React based API and an extension store to distribute your own custom extensions.
1: Raycast has lots of cool things built in, but the community provides a lot of extensions that are even cooler. One of the most useful use cases for an extension is actually within your own team though. With a custom Raycast extension, you can codify your team's workflows and all the information your team needs to access about the projects you work on. An example of this I recently saw on Twitter is a developer from the Storybook project. Varun took all of Storybook's design system and tokens and put it into a Raycast extension. With just a keystroke, you can access any of those values and copy them to your clipboard. You can even convert between color values and color representations.
2: Yeah, and to add to that, you should also try Raycast Pro. That's their premium feature. But with Pro, you can take advantage of Raycast AI, which is extremely awesome because it lets you do all kinds of typical AI tasks in line with whatever app you're using on your Mac. So you can summarize text or translate text, a lot of really cool functionality there. You also have other interesting features like Cloud Sync. So if you have multiple Macs, you can sync your Raycast configuration across different apps, and it gives you things like custom themes. So it's really cool. You should definitely check it out.
1: To learn more, you can visit raycast.com, or you can go listen to episode 38, where we talk to Thomas, the CEO, about the product and how it's built.
2: This is a pretty awesome endeavor. Um, So when I worked at Artsy, we had a React Native app and a web app, and we tried to do sort of the same thing. So their design system palette is we wanted to share across platforms and eventually just split them. Uh, But... It's interesting because you, you, you're right. There's a lot of interesting challenges. So like we had evaluated like react, uh, native web back in the early days and that there are just a lot of trade-offs and, you know, some of the old solutions are pretty clunky. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, had you had you tried this before, like on some product that you're working on before you started Tom and GUI, um, and sort of what led you to the approaches that you've taken so far?
0: Um, Yeah, so I yeah, I mean, in a sense, I've worked on this a few times. Like, I think Tamagui, you could consider it almost my third or fourth try at some sort of like UI system like this. Um, But there, uh, I was working on something that was similar to React Native before React Native exists, but it was it was more similar to Cordova maybe. But like, really trying to replicate the iOS look and feel like almost perfectly, just using like React, um, which was very complicated. So that was kind of a first attempt. And then I I met up with a co-founder through that, and we raised money um, through like really good investors. I moved to the Bay. I had never been, I never lived, you know, in San Francisco or anything, but I moved to the Bay to do that startup. It was a dev tools focused startup. Um, and it was uh, also had like, uh, I mean, it was a little bit more ambitious. It was maybe like we we modified, um, we actually modified JavaScript. We took Babel and forked it and added like a view keyword. And then inside of there, you had have these reactive variables and there was a whole compiler set up. It was a little bit like view or sorry, like Svelte. I think it was like three years before Svelte existed. There's a cool demo video on YouTube. I can can link it. It was called Motion. And we actually built it out. It was really interesting. Like the HMR was as you typed, like it was so fast. You could just keep, you could like tweak values in real time. It had a compiler that pulled out CSS from like dynamic values even. Um, So it had like kind of that similar idea behind it. Um, and it just ended, didn't end up going anywhere for various reasons. Uh, uh but what's co- one cool, like side note from that is that, um, when we first were showing that demo video off to people, we started getting like kind of a bunch of people in our, our Slack at the time. And like a bunch of people were getting interested. And uh, I remember like Evan U of Vue joined our Slack and he was like, this is so, this was like, I think before Vue even was called Vue or something. It was like, ver- maybe it was version one or, or pre version one. And he's like, can I take some of these ideas? And we were like, yeah, go for it. So it was kind of cool. Like, I think. You know, we didn't end up launching the project, but there was some influences I think down the road uh, that it had on, on the on the ecosystem. So, but yeah, long long story short is that I definitely um, have tried this a few times. Uh, I was booting up a new project at the end of the pandemic um, and it needed to have native support. So I was kind of like, well, you know, I had this UI kit, that the last version of it that I had tried, which was just for an app before that, that I was working on, it had gotten too bloated and it had gotten kind of like, I had thrown in a, uh, it's really hard to design these things because down the road you try and like do something and then you end up like realizing that the whole fundamental design like you know the css the whole css problem of like merging styles down uh cascading styles it was like i was trying to get it to like be very correct and i just literally couldn't fix some of these features and so i had to rewrite it using atomic styles and then i realized that some of the way i had done some of the features in that last ui kit the styling system the the wouldn't really work with atomic styles or at least I ended up in this giant mess of a refactor where I was like, you know what? At this point, I'm just uh, I'm just gonna bail on that one. So, um, so yeah. So then Tamagui was kind of like, okay, let me start over again. Of course, uh, and I, I, I grabbed JSX Style, which was this uh, library that had already existed that had a compiler because I I kind of knew that like if I'm gonna bridge native and web, um, it's like it already was like my UI kits were already slow just doing web only uh, without a compiler, so it's like a, it's even more so
1: needed it. Um, and so that was kind of the genesis of the library. So, uh, like for our listeners who don't actually know, like how does it like work in the end? Like, uh, what is rendering to native, and like how do you translate that to to web? Also,
0: um, yeah. So it's it's basically it was originally running on React Native Web. So um, same API surface as React Native and React Native Web. Um, so you basically have a limited set of Style properties that are very they're basically identical to web style properties, but like they're just limited. You know, you don't have stuff like background backdrop filter and these type of like more fancy props. Um, But you have like all the basics. Um, And yeah, originally I just built off of React Native Web um, and even rendered to that. But um, there was multiple things that were sort of like making that very difficult over time. One was that just uh, React Native Web refused to support class name, and you know we're compiling to atomic css and so it's like how do i pass, I, can, if I can't pass in a class name i literally was patching like i had a, a script that would go into your node modules and patch react native web to make it work with uh class name for for the first like six or, or year or something of like tamagui existing before when it was actually called something else and it was very small but eventually i was like this is you know I, it's just like i can't really rely on um you know they they closed the issue saying like we're not going to support it which was in my mind a kind of a mistake and you know there's at the end of the day if you don't control the whole fundamental styling system of your library then it's kind of so so i ended up slowly like moving it off it was a huge amount of effort um, but now it's basically its own style library um it's native runs on native and web like on native it outputs to um you know like a stylesheet.create or just objects basically and it passes those objects in as as a style property and then on web um, the one one big thing behind tamagui is that it's um it's not like zero runtime on purpose um just because Setting up a compiler and a compile step is always such a big um, commitment and a risk almost too, because like you have to trust that like this compile time process is working. Um, and I wanted it to be easier to like run without it, so like it it runs completely at runtime as well as at compile time. So you can just plug it in without any compiler setup and use it, and it'll output class names, but you know it generates the CSS and inserts them uh, on the fly or at startup, kind of depending on if you use like a styled component versus an inline style. Um, But then if you do plug in the compiler, it will um, analyze, you know, everything and it'll pull out CSS at build time and do a bunch of other nice things to kind of optimize and uh, a few other things that we can get into.
1: So I'm assuming React Native Web didn't want to support class name because like there is no like native version of that on uh, React Native. So like, did you have to solve it the opposite way too? Now that you have class names, do you have to make those work on the native components and like, is that, like, a subset of CSS, basically?
0: It's a good question, um, but the answer is just really, like, that the class name just is uh, no op, basically, on, on native. I mean, mm. class class name is basically an escape hatch for web, which I actually use it all the time. It's nice. You can just go write some CSS. Like, you can do, like, you can add your own little, like, add-ons, like, Tailwind style almost. Like, I just add a bunch of little things that aren't supported on, through the React native, like, official API, and I use class name as my, like, um, way to target web. Now, there is, like, a platform selector where you can do platform web and, Platform Native and Platform iOS and do, like, specific styles to each one. Um, but still, you don't get, like, you know, that's still limited to the style properties that it supports. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a no-op on web. Expo's working on some interesting stuff right now. They seem to have gotten, like, a CSS working for Native. And they're working on, and, and I think they built that in order to get, like, some Tailwind-type stuff working um, for native. So you can do like Tailwind class names. And, um, it's a, it's also a limited subset of CSS. And, uh, from what I understand, it also doesn't cascade. So there's no C, um, just CS. Uh, but yeah, so there's some differences there, but it seems like we may get some sort of like form of CSS. The whole point of Tamagui is kind of not to do CSS. Uh, like I'm a big inline styles maxi, like even like tailwind, right. It kind of admits like you're sort of avoiding, like I like the, the component, like react component model combined with like local styles
1: as I think is a really beautiful setup. So it's kind of funny to see that that happening, but it, but it makes sense. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions in this space. I've done lots of design system stuff and I do like Tailwind and I also like scoped CSS modules. I think they really mix well together. Like when you're designing components, you don't want to design some things in like sometimes width or spacing or all these other things. And I think utility class names are like such a nice bullet for that. But uh, you could easily argue that if they were just like style properties like you have, it would work just the same. But like combining those two things, I think creates like the most ergonomic design system for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, I I actually, people say like, you know, can we get like some Tailwind support in Tamagui? And, And that's possible. Like I definitely have been thinking about adding like a library that's kind of like maps Tailwind. So you can just use like the exact same props. It probably would be good for adoption and stuff. But the uh, the inline props, especially because there's a short there's a concept of shorthands in Mm -hmm. Tamagui. I mean, you can basically get the exact same experience where it's mx equals like whatever, um, you know, p or all the different like shorthands. I the default ones that we have are basically the same. Um, kind of like same same idea. And what I like is that you get types too. So you get like it's it's you know TypeScript. Uh, Auto completes with your just editor without any sort of special plugin. Um, there's so many benefits. I mean, like uh, you can like you know destructure them um, as props and then and then play with them and change them and then put them back onto props and and like you also get like nice merging. I think with Tamagui, which is I have to plug a little bit, but yeah, you get nice merging, which is like the order of the props is important. So uh, that was like a big realization at some point because. For example, we have variants. I don't know. I don't want to like get too in the weeds, maybe if people aren't familiar, but like if anyone who's worked with stitches, it's just a way to like expand. I'm sure maybe Tailwind has something like this too, where you can like shorthand for like an expanded amount of um, styles. Maybe they don't, I don't know. But um, but basically like you can have a shorthand that's like, you know, uh, huge or something like, and if it's set to true, then it expands to be like, you know, set the radius, set the a bunch of other properties, maybe the scale. Um, but the problem is then like you want to be able to control that and like, um, like, override, say, like, if I want to override, like, expand that, but then override one thing. Um, I realized at one point that, like, if as long as you make those, the prop order significant to the styling system, so you can have huge, and then the next line you could have, like, maybe set the border top right radius to zero if you just want to have, like, a sharp edge or something like that. And uh, so that was kind of like a big thing that, and it, it lets you do this really nice thing where you can kind of like have an API surface where your component lets external users override some styles, but then, like, maybe you control
1: the rest of the styles. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's nice that it's uh, enforced by TypeScript. There's a utility called Tailwind Merge, which is like, it kind of does the same thing, like order inside of the, the arguments matters and it'll override previous classes, but it's a lot nicer if it's just like built into the programming language and you don't have to like think about it at all.
0: I'm just curious with Merge, like how, uh, cause like you would have to like string split, like if you wanted to do some like manipulation in, in the middle, right, it's kind of weird. Not ergonomic at all.
2: <laughs> no, it, it's kind of rough. Um, Artsy was using uh, styled components and styled systems, you know, and there are some obvious like performance trade-offs there. But I do think this approach is really interesting because the the types in particular helped a lot. Uh, it does make it very explicit and and kind of terse, which is nice. And also you get documentation for it, too. So just like hover over and see what it is.
0: Funny thing that we're running into now is that uh, TypeScript can't handle it at a certain level because... You can nest these styled components. There's so many properties if you think about it, because it's it's like hundreds of style properties, and then you have pseudo styles like hover, press, and then you have media query styles like um, so. So that's multiplying, uh, and then also you can have a media query with a pseudo style like so. Like if it's a big screen plus hover, right? So then that's another multiplication of all those like types, and then you can nest them. So you can like styled, styled, styled. You know, keep nesting those, and each time it's. Adding more, so at some point, like it's actually like we're at the very like tipping point where I've tried to add features and I run into things where like if you nest five times, you get the like cannot recur. Like what is it? The like it may be infinite depth, excessively deep. Yeah, it's the bane of my existence. That
1: that error. That's when you know you've won programming, though, as you uh, (laughs) you run into that compiler error. Yeah, and you're not actually infinite. Yeah, it's not no anywhere near infinite. Uh. So one of the cool things that Tamagui also provides, it has that base layer of styling, but it also provides a lot of components. And the components remind me a lot of Radix. Uh, but I'm really interested to know how they actually work. Like, are you using Radix underneath, or do you have to like implement it in such a way that you can do it on both platforms?
0: Um, yeah, I was definitely inspired by by is it Radix? I've been calling it Radix. I'm I'm bad at this. V <laughs> Radix Radix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I'll do, I'll go with Radix though, but I, I've never actually heard someone say it out loud, so I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is rad. So that would make sense. <laughs> um, no, they're amazing. I mean, they did such a great job with that library. I was very inspired. I love the composable components API. I think it's genius. I think that's like, I mean, especially like, it's just, it's, kind of like the, one of the hardest problems in styling or like in front end is just like, how do you provide an API surface, but also let people like customize every part of it. And, you know, in the past people, you've had something maybe like where you have like a prop that's like text props or inner, you know, frame props or something like that. And you you just take all these sub objects, but that's just, it doesn't nearly give you what you need because it's just like how, you want to resort maybe like the inner contents, right? You want to you want to flip the ordering, or or you want to like nest them multiple times. It just like it, it immediately runs into like impossible problems. So I think radix was great. Um, the obviously yeah for native um, I couldn't just use them or or I would have. And there was an option maybe to like write it twice, but I, I you know the point of time ago was to try and see if you could bridge that nicely. And React Native does and React Native Web do give you those nice APIs um, or the, that that API surface gives you a lot of the stuff you need. To implement it so my process was actually um to most of the time just to steal like to take the source obviously leave the licenses in place but and then to like rewrite it um but use kind of a similar structure so like a lot of the tamagui components started as like you know we need this let's think of the, the right way to do it maybe for native it some of them are a little different in like how they actually work or or what they do but a lot of them are very similar and and even started out as just like taking the radix source kind of stripping it down re-implementing a lot of the insides um and then getting it to work with some of the more tamagui like style ideas. Um and uh, yeah it's it's been really nice. So like yeah, yeah so it definitely even the website I think we took some of the ideas from like I think I even took some of the website like documentation, like the the show code and some of the toggles and stuff like that. It was just, you know, great artist steel. Um but yeah shout out to the the that team and I think they did a really good job. And there's some differences like uh Tamagui didn't start out as unstyled um, but it does have an unstyled prop now for almost mm. all the components. So you can basically take the styles out. Um, I think for version two, we're sort of thinking about going fully, like having like an option just to import it as unstyled basically, um, or yeah, just to bring your own styles a little bit more cleanly. Uh, but we're, we're almost there, basically have it almost working. Um, and then there's some like cool stuff that's come from, that Radix style approach, which is like one of the big things that I think is one of the coolest parts. And I I just haven't done a good job of like talking about it or demoing it. I've got like some cool demo videos for sure that I think we could um, put out that would show this. But we have this idea of an adapt component that if you nest it inside of your like certain components, you can adapt them to other components at certain for certain platforms or certain media queries. So for example, like a modal or a popover, you can adapt into a sheet uh, if it's on like a touch device or something like that. And then it'll actually portal the contents so it's kind of cool like you you just have this like one big thing that's like um you know your portal and all has all the contents and everything you need it and then inside of that you just put adapt and then you put sheet and then you have your sheet all your sheet components which are also radix like so you can customize all the sheet stuff and then you just inside of the sheet where you want to portal it you put like adapt.contents and uh it's pretty cool It, it, it like magically turns from a from a popover into a sheet uh on a small screen or something like that and uh the amount of like Stuff that that's doing, you know, compared to like if you were trying to implement that yourself, is is insane. But also, I just think the Radix like that flexibility, like where you can you can fully customize both the sheet and the popover and then adapt them into each other because they're nested, composable components like that. It's like I think it's that's it's a really cool like maybe one step. It's like
1: unlocked by the Radix API, uh, but also
0: kind of working in a in a new way. That's pretty cool.
1: I remember reading like five years ago. Uh, like that composability in React was like what you should shoot for. And it like boggled me. But then uh, once I started building design systems and found like the uh, the subcomponent pattern, it, it changed it all. I was like, oh my God, it all makes sense. Like I can just add tooltips to things. Uh, I was going to ask you about how the styling works because styling on the different platforms is far different. And if I'm creating this like shared design system, do I like... Am I giving up some of the platform-specific styling or do I still have some control over that?
0: Yeah, so, well, I mean, part of that, yeah, I mean, you definitely are constrained to the style properties, but you have, obviously, like we kind of touched on with the class name and stuff, you do have escape patches. Mm-hmm. You also have platform-specific style selectors now, which is a new feature just a maybe like a month ago that we landed. Um, so you do, that, that actually is pretty nice. Um, and then I think there's also in just React, um, native in, in general, they have this idea of like actually just fully forking things by using a file extension. So .android.web.iOS.native. So we use that, like even internally in Tamagui, for example, the popover is um, actually just, well, it uses floating UI, which is shout out to floating UI. Amazing library um, by the guy who made, I think it was called, what was it called before that? Like uh,
2: Popper, I think. Popper. something. Like that.
0: Yeah. I think his name is James. I don't know if I remember his full name right now, but uh, but yeah, I mean, he's done this before. And it's such a good like library. But it, it works on native and web, but they're like, you know, there's different levels of support. So for example, for that component, we have like a dot native version. And they share a lot of things, but they also diverge in in a few significant ways. And and I think that's like a nice like kind of escape hatch. So yeah, the, the escape hatches in Tamagui are pretty good. You have on the if you just need like different styling, you have the style selectors. If you need like web-specific styles that aren't supported, you have class name. Um, And I guess you could use an inline style prop because style property technically will accept like any style, valid style as well. Um, And then, yeah, and then you have the file extensions for complete divergence.
2: Yeah. An interesting thing that we'd always had a challenge with was, um, so some of the, the, there are some nuances with like the flex layout in React Native that can be sort of weird and require like different markup. Um, that was always one challenge. And the other thing was, um, it was sometimes hard to build uh, accessible web UI. Like you had to, you had to be very careful in doing that because it was really easy to leave it out and especially it depends on who was building the component and what experience they had. So it was like a few different things of like ending up with sort of weird markup, depending on the platform you're targeting. And sometimes that created a split. Um, platform-specific features like accessibility things dropping out. Um, do you have any recommendations for people? So let's say they're they're picking up Tamagui and they're like building out a product with it, like about how to sort of approach some of these like platform differences or how to think about developing across all these platforms.
0: Yeah, it's, that's great. Uh, a great kind of like interesting point. There's like a lot to it, I think. Um, I would say, well, one thing is that definitely React Native... Uh, web and in general react native are getting better about a lot of this stuff like you touched on the flex differences i think the new the newer versions of yoga they've they have like a much more there's like you can you can opt into the newer like mode that's much more consistent that's pretty cool um on the like accessibility prop side uh react native and react native web are both moving towards it, supporting much more like standard web properties so the aria properties are now supported um uh, data attributes are now supported kind of in a standard way They're they're definitely like you know they had a bunch of like they had like these weird properties like data set or like accessibility props that were different. And uh, now they're deprecating most of those and moving to like web web looking ones, which is, it's very nice. We use ARIA properties internally. Um, I think there's a suite of hooks called like React ARIA, I believe, that's cross-plat, that does work on native as well. Um, so probably if you're like also concerned about really getting a high quality there, you could check those out. Um, Tamagui, Tried to I tried to keep all the Radix accessibility stuff in place as I adapted it to native. So it I'll admit that it's not the best tested, you know, like, um, but we do have really good, pretty good keyboard controls and all this sort of stuff. Like, uh, um, you know, there are abstracted, like one nice thing about React Native is that it abstracts those APIs, like keyboard APIs are kind of standardized across platforms and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I, my recommendation is actually usually just to, to just build it for one platform. I mean, like, it's pretty rare that your first version of your app needs to be cross-platform. Um, the nice thing about Tamagui is that you have that optionality. And I really think that, like, uh, one one thing that I have to get around with Tamagui is, like, people maybe see it as, like, oh, well, that's only good if you're just doing both. If you're, if you're just doing native and web, then use Tamagui. Otherwise, you know, probably use something else. But I, I really do think that it competes with anything, like, any pure web library. I mean, you know, some people may, like, not like this idea of using class name for some stuff. But... I mean the the other features in Tommy are just really there's like some really really well hard fought kind of like abstractions and features that are in some of these components um, and like the style system in general I think is kind of on par with most style systems in terms of like you know the type coverage the feature set uh, it's really complete um, it's quite fast and I think when you add in the optimizing compiler which is pretty unique you actually can get faster runtime performance than almost any other like even just like the really pure web focused like even the zero runtime web focus sort of stuff uh yeah maybe like the pure zero runtime like web focused ones that that uh don't they, where you don't abstract a lot of things and you're just using them straight straight up but i think what's nice about tamagui's styled system thing is that it you're allowed you can build up this vocabulary and build up these variants and these like um abstractions that are that are very like nice and elegant to use, but you're not actually paying the cost of, like, an extra layer of rendering depth of, like, a React component that's sitting in between you and your div, because uh, the optimizing compiler just reads that all, flattens it out into a div again. Um, and so what I found is, like, yeah, on the on the website, um, on the homepage, there's, like, one of the little sections, because um, there's, you know, all these different sections on the homepage that show each of the different, like, kind of features. And, like, in just the responsive feature section, it's, like, over 600 flattened um, components so you're literally not rendering 600 um, react components on on mount and it, it makes our lighthouse score I think like uh, it's 15% or more uh, improvement just by like flipping a switch but it's also like the lighthouse score is maybe even not in the, the best improvement because lighthouse is actually maybe more sensitive to like the amount of JavaScript you run and that's where like zero runtime really like helps whereas Tamagui core is about 20 kilobytes of JavaScript and we also add like, the website has every possible combination of features shown on the homepage because we're trying to show off all the you know all the stuff and all the components um but the runtime performance is where it really shines because like you know it it, you don't pay that cost on the next renders and like if you have a lot of elements you know being rendered out um you can feel it and it's pretty cool to turn it on and off and like oh wow this whole area just feels like much faster um so yeah i don't know where i started on that answer but uh (laughs) just just plugging it in i guess yeah like yeah like there's these differences in native and web and like I think Tamagui does give you some escape hatches, but um, yeah, I definitely I definitely want to counter this. Like, I, I I would love to see, I need to make it easier maybe, because the, the setup process can be, you know, you, you have to, like I said, we use those platform extensions, for example, like dot .web. Um, and we also have like an environment variable that you have to set to like tell it which environment you're in. And I would like to get rid of those too. Like, that would be cool next steps is to have like at least a form of it. Where, like it's just plug and play there's no build step there's no like environment variable um, I think that would probably be the next step to really get like especially web users who just you know you don't want to fuss around with the uh, configuration if you're just trying to throw together like a, a landing page or something
1: so I want to dig more into the optimizing compiler like how how determining what not to render because like in my experience most of the react components, I write like I feel are necessary to to render the page. So how do, how does the compiler choose what and what not to add or remove?
0: Yeah, so it is limited to Tamagui components, right? So it's not mm-hmm. optimizing anything outside of the Tamagui world. Um, it, uh, which is you know, I think it's fine if that's that's a good limitation. That would be a very okay. different project if we were just trying to optimize like any type of styling. Um, but yeah, I mean it and it does deopt in a certain in like various cases so like dynamic styling if you spread for example props you know if you're spreading props onto one of your atomic views then obviously we have no idea what those props are um, so if it was a div then things would just fail so we we deopt on stuff like that um, on native it doesn't optimize as much because you know like on the web we can assume that they are css variables so uh, there's a lot of fancy stuff around i mean there's a lot of like hard fought work because you can plug out for example animation drivers Um, and some animation drivers, like the React Native animation driver, doesn't support CSS variables. So we actually have, like, all this crazy, like, amount of work that's, like, the optimizing compiler needs to know that if there's an animation on this uh, component, um, that it can't flatten it all the way, right? But, But if it's a CSS driver, it still can flatten it because it's CSS, so it can assume that. And then at the same time, there's, like, these, like, very intense like complications between like theming and like if it's using like a raw value for this animation driver it needs to track that and and know that it so like basically there's a lot of complications there but but it's on the web it optimizes a lot more because um CSS variables and, and media queries can be extracted and and stuff like that so you can basically like assume a lot um and then it just does like some analysis so it just loops over all the properties it try it even does try to do like using the node VM module it tries to actually partially evaluate things so like you can do ternaries uh nested ternaries like object spreads as long as it can analyze them you can you can even have like abstracted things where you pull out you know some props into a different file or into a uh up above you know in the in the outside of the render loop or something you can have like an object um that even references other objects like it's trying to do some actual like real analysis um using a combination of like babel and the node vm package um to like to grab all the like the everything that's in scope and then like pass it to the node VM and try and run it. And then if it comes back successful, it says, cool, we've analyzed everything. We can understand all the properties uh, statically basically. And we can flatten this into a div at this point, but it can leave stuff like, you know, if there's conditional logic, it still leaves that, but it's just, instead of like, instead of like, you know, passing to Tamagui, it's doing like a class name. So it's like, you know, this class name equals this plus conditional that class name concat it together, et cetera, et cetera.
2: That's awesome. Uh, another feature that you show off on the homepage, and I've had various challenges with, is just uh, helping smooth out animation. Um, can you can you talk about like how Yelp approach animation, and and maybe even for people who aren't aware, like what some platform specific issues you might have when you're trying to yeah. build something like this?
0: Yeah, the animations has been a whole journey. Uh, uh, it's one of those things, like I said, like I like I alluded to that last UI kit. Um, one of the reasons I think it failed was that, like you know, I built it one way, and then later on I needed to add features, and then you realize that those features just don't fit, right? And I was worried about that with Tamagui. Like I, I had, I was thinking about launching it. I had it mostly working for what I wanted, you know, the design system, the style library, and everything. Um, and at the time, I didn't have any like animations at all, and I had a choice: like, do I do no animations? Uh, In the first version, do I do maybe one type of animation, Uh, like just the 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 obvious choice would just be the React Native Animated driver because that you know it's built into React Native and it works on web and native. Um, But then of course there's this there's this animation library for React Native that's very popular called Reanimated. Um, It's very clean and much nicer API. It's definitely more popular with like maybe like people who are just into that you know React Native world. They they love to use that because it's very fast and very cool. and and much cleaner APIs, right? So there was always that looming, and then there's also obviously CSS on the web, just the built-in platform stuff, which could also save a lot of bundle size potentially because the uh, React Native animated JavaScript is like 30 kilobytes, like minified and, and gzipped or whatever. Like it's a lot um, to add in for just a website. And so I was at this crossroads, like, do I uh, do I just ignore it or not? And uh, and it just kind of worried me because like I you know I could tell thinking about it with like the compiler, it's like, well, what? How do you even? You know, do that, and so I decided to bite that bullet, and I decided to go all the way. It's like classic kind of a, uh, you know, developer syndrome of just like, well, you know, I've got <laughs> to try, you know, I've got to do it. Uh, so I did end up implementing them. They they didn't work well for like a lot of the life of Tamagui. Like, you know, I think um, there was always like some bug in one or some or the other, and and um, it's been a it's been a long journey I think to get them mostly working. And actually, as of like. Just the last few months, I think they've really come into their own. Actually, this, what's cool is the website was running on the React Native Animated driver because that was kind of the best supported one. And we've been, I've been working with um, with a little bit with Fernando uh, Rojo, who's who built a bunch of cool libraries in the React world. And he wrote this thing called Moti, which is kind of like a it, it, it kind of abstracted reanimated for native and web into a nicer API. And he also he he exported this hook called use Moti, basically that um, that uh, kind of like does all the low level stuff for me. So we rebuilt the reanimated driver using that and got it to be a hundred percent passing on all the different like things that we needed. Um, and I swapped it out in the website, which is pretty cool. Like we literally swapped the entire animation system on the website. And I don't think you can really tell like it, it basically like y- you wouldn't know, I guess, unless you knew that we changed that out, um, which was really awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, the problems have been, uh, there's a lot there's a lot to it i mean that there's a lot of like careful logic in the style system um for example like like i said like we need to track if they're accessing values in the theme um that are raw values versus css and so for so our our use theme hook and that powers the internal you know way that we access themes um and the way that people who use Tomagui can access themes you know you can use use theme hook or um it it does like uh tracking of what properties you access, but not just the properties, but whether or not you called to turn them into a CSS variable or into a raw value at the end. And if you do track them as a, into a raw value, it basically keeps track of, it's a little bit like almost like a state system um, that you would see like an observable type state system where each component is tracking whether or not you're accessing any of these dynamic values. And then if so, it, it has to listen to the theme changes um, and re-render when it gets a new theme change. Whereas if it's a CSS driver, it sees that you're just turning it into a CSS variable. It doesn't track the theme changes, and so you save like because the website's like this pathological case where you have a huge page of components, like way more than you would maybe in like a typical mobile app um, on one page, and so it it's very sensitive. Like if I ever deopt that, um, when you switch from light to dark mode, for example, which is like you know re-render the whole page in the in a typical React Native type setup. Um, I mean, that's like really the flex, I think, of Tamagui is like the fact that that homepage of the website, you can switch between light and dark mode and it doesn't really use much work. Um, because the only thing it's rendering is some of the, uh, animated components, um, and changing out their, um, their like theme values. Um, but other than that, it, uh, it basically doesn't have to re-render anything because it's tracking, you know, so that like the intersection of theming, theme changing animations, um, and the compiler are, like, where things have got Like, that's where we've spent, you know, a, a pretty crazy amount of time trying to get them all working. But, um, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, there's so much detail to animations. But I definitely want to, like, I, I think now we're at a cool part, too, because we could keep expanding, like, there's, uh, there's, this, there's this animate presence library that we took from Framer Motion um, and just kind of adapted that. And it's so cool. Like it lets you do these really nice animations very declaratively. And I think there's like many like further upgrades, like timing and anim- like the multi-step, I guess multi-stage animations that we don't support, but we could get that working across the different drivers. That would be pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, just like kind of like, there- it's cool now that it finally works uh, basically fully because I think now we are well set up to kind of like keep going and and maybe get more, like, because, you know, CSS is very powerful with animations and we haven't really gotten to that level. Uh, We just have the most basic stuff. So, yeah.
1: It seems like a lot of the features that you're working on work towards making shipping to all targets just, like, trivial. Like, I would never want to think about all this stuff if I were setting up both of these. I would probably punt the issue far, far before getting to all the animation stuff. So on the homepage you mentioned server components. Those have been a hot topic lately. Uh how how does Tamagui use server components? I'm I'm interested.
0: Um you know what's funny actually? I mean we, we do support it like as client as client um mm-hmm. components. So we we do work with it and like we've adapted to like, you know, incrementally output styles for example in the way that they expect it and all this stuff. Um but originally I had tried to get full server support because that seemed obvious to me that like, you know, you want your UI components to be run, be able to be run only on the server. Um, I don't know. It's a whole thing. I, I'm not a big fan of React server components. <laughs> I, I really am not, actually. I, I'm sort of maybe like one of the biggest opponents of it um, for like a lot of reasons, but one of the, like a lot of reasons. I mean, the way it's being done is is a lot of it, but also just the actual technical side of things. And like, to me, I get the the desire, and I, but I wish they would have come up with a much simpler implementation because i I think what's really making it complicated is that um is that you have this like dynamic back and forth where like you can keep going back to the server and re-rendering and you can keep and you can you can interleave all the props so like in such a complex fashion um whereas i think if they had done something more like you can have this be a server component where it doesn't hydrate but then maybe you're not allowed to like you know do certain things like you can't pass you know certain things down, or or you can't go back and forth multiple times, or maybe you can just like only, um, you know, you, you can't have a client that then has a server or something like. There's like some limitations to how the tree is structured. I think if there was some extra limitations where it didn't try to be so fancy, but but my other critique is this: is that like I want to not hydrate a lot of my my bundle, but there's no reason to tie that to couple that to React server components. Like you know islands or something is like a concept that a lot of uh, a lot of other frameworks have started playing with, but there's no reason that like React couldn't support like tell it that this component just can run on the server and never hydrate and just leave it um, and like that would be that doesn't have to be like coupled to this entire huge change and I think so many apps that exist today as SSR apps would love to just be able to say like here's some Markdown content you know that I'm rendering in React but like just don't hydrate this like I don't need anything inside of there it's just Markdown like I, I don't need to interleave like some sort of like tooltip or something in there or if I do I can do it in a in a different way. Um, so I have a lot of different beefs with it. Um, I mean, I think it's fine. Like, I think it works well for, for web apps. You know, I think if you're building like landing pages and stuff, it actually is a decent model. But that's my other, my other problem with it is like in the native world, it doesn't really make sense to me because native is all about local first, offline first, optimistic mutations. Let me just query my data like inline very easily anywhere in the tree and I want to mutate it. And when I mutate it, it should be instantly reflected. And also like, you know, sortable and and all this stuff right like i want to just like you know parse or firebase or um any sort of like of these data models where it's like you know how the linear how linear sort of works right where it's like it's an it's an app like it's what we know is like a desktop app or like an app you know we used to like differentiate between server or like websites and apps and the big differentiator i think was that was that like desktop or like mobile apps were very much like instant they could do they could store a lot more data locally so they could get away with like making things feel a lot better and server components to me represent like almost a regression like you have to go to the server to do a route um which means that like i have an app that's that we built using uh like graphql basically like a very nice library on top of graphql um and what's cool is that like the like it loads you know the the frames of all the next stuff it knows the stack view that you're in and stuff and and when you click to go from like the home page to a Search page, or to go from search page to a results page, um, it basically animates that in instantly. Obviously, uh, it can do a transition to the next state. It can do like all this like cool stuff. Um, sorry, by the way, I'm, I'm taking this opportunity to rant about server components because it's what I like to do. But
1: go for it that's what we're here for. (laughs) Whereas like
0: in the server components world, it it literally, it's like the minimum cost you're paying is like, whatever it takes to go to the server, get that thing and come back with the next state. And like, that's just, and, and, and people say like, oh, but you can, you know, you could still do optimistic or local first, but like, not really. I mean, now you have two different, totally different programming models. You know what I mean? Like, why would you choose that if you don't have to? Um, Anyways, um, there's a lot to that, but like, so Tom Agui, so and, and so I actually tried to get server components working. Uh, I had it, so it working in the original Vite implementation where they used to, like when Shopify was working on, remi- when they were working in Hydrogen and they had like a full-on React server components model. Um, I got it fully working to where server components actually rendered with Tamagui. With um, and then when Next came out, I just couldn't get it working. There were so many bugs and stuff. That was the other thing is like, it's just been so buggy and so... Uh, like I can't use the after we tried to use the after actually, um, just to like build the studio out that we're working on. And, uh, it like slowed down things so immense, uh, so immensely, like it was, it was crazy slow how like development time and build time and everything. I think they're working on that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so like, it, but, but needless to say, like, it just, I couldn't, like, it was very difficult to get it working even with all the docs and like, there's so much change you have to make internally as a library, like so, so much change, um, that it's just like what's the like i'm encouraging people to like especially for tamagui where it's like we're encouraging kind of like a universal world um I, I for sure at some point like we'll probably support support it just like i said you know some people it's i want to be the best for for web only as well that would be that's the ideal but i just think it's it's not as high of a priority for something like tamagui where like if anything i think i encourage people to just not use it um because like if you're building an app um it doesn't even work with react native currently like there's no real way to make it work with react native and then also um yeah i mean yeah you just literally can't do a react native app but also even if you could um the only type of react native apps i would see that being good for are like very crud style react native apps where it's like you're just displaying some basic data um but you're not you don't have a list or you don't have a chat or you don't have a you know like a interactivity that's
1: that's like that's nice well, it's understandable from your point of view is like trying to create these cross-platform apps that like it it inherently only serves the web. And the like the beauty of early React was the incremental adoption story of like, oh, this tiny little part of my page can just be React. With React server components, it's like, sure, incrementally adopt it at the root and serve where you serve your app. And it's like, oh, that's that's a a much bigger ask in my opinion. Um, but now that we've broached the topic of sharing code between uh, native and web, uh, how does that work in Tamagui? Cause like, uh, I, I tried to do this one, like a few years ago, create a, a hybrid style app. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna make one app. It's gonna render everything. And then I was like, oh wait, navigation and like all these different little things. And then the the leading advice at the time was, oh, you just create your app for web and you create your app for local. So how does mm-hmm. Tamagui solve that?
0: Yeah, so um, the way that the starters work now um, is, so you you can share as much or as little as you want. Um, I still think that the advice of like splitting the root level views um, is, is, is valid. Um, you know, you probably want to use React Native Navigation for native because it has really nice native support for, like, uh, you know, stack views and all these different tab views and stuff like that. Um, and then on the web, you know, it's kind of like your choice. The, we have a starter that comes with Tamagui. It it builds off of Fernando's work again with Solido, which basically bridges Expo and Next. And so you still kind of, like, you have a... I would say, like, basically the the world that we're in now with that starter is where you have 95% of your code uh, shared, um, if you want, you could always diverge them as much as you want. But like, if you want and you can, and still get a good experience, I think you can have ninety-five percent, and that five percent that's left over is mostly that navigation level. But even that is nice. Like Solido unifies the the navigation stuff, so like you still have the same hooks to call, like dot navigate. Um, it's just on the web instead of a stack. It's just pushing forward a page, and then you can hit back. Whereas on native, you know, it can pop in a page, and you can sl- sl- slide back. Um, so. It's definitely gotten better. Um, that story is, like, I think that sort of, like, makes that whole thing pretty worth it. I still think there's, like, so much to go. I think Expo Router looks very interesting, like, what they're doing where it's file system routes, basically. Like, that's what I've been... I was going to do that if they didn't do it, um, but it looks like they're doing it, so there's less incentive for me to do that now. But, like, um, you know, you can have one file system route thing and then, and then give it different layouts, um, you know, so you can have a layout for web and a layout for, um, for native and fork them, um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of the big difference I would say. I mean, obviously, you know, responsive design and touch-based design. There's some there's some things that you should always probably try and change, but um, but I think with with that story in place, it's not too bad. And I definitely recommend using one of the starters um, because they save a whole ton of time.
2: Yeah. So, uh, as as with everything, there are going to be some trade offs um, to taking this approach. So, and, and you've already you've already said that you sort of laid out Tamagui to be, you can just use the in a web project, you can just use it in a React Native project. It doesn't have to be both, um, and I and I really like that tack. Um, so, you know, outside of the benefits of sharing code, are there other benefits? Do you think to to using Tamagui in general? And is there a moment when you probably shouldn't use it that you probably should pull for something else?
0: Um, yeah, let me start with the the second part because um, there's definitely times when you shouldn't use it. I mean. Um, you know, it does bring along, depending on how much you use up to 30 kilobytes of of JavaScript for the whole system. I mean, if you use the full component kit, you're, you're bringing along, you know, more depending on the components you use. So for certain things where it's very sensitive to, uh, to bundle size, then it can be that. I mean, I think it's not bad, you know, 20, 20, 30 kilobytes, not too bad. Um, but there's obviously definitely plenty of sites where like, you're just going for very clean and minimal, um, it also depends on familiarity. You know, um, there's there's plenty of. You, Tommy Green brings a design system aspect, and like you may not want to deal with the design system. It's more conceptual burden. There's this concept of tokens. There's a concept of themes. There's a concept of like uh, font. You have to you know you do your fonts with a certain syntax that that expects like line heights and all this stuff to kind of go together. Um, so there's there's an onboarding cost. There's a cost of like learning all the concepts, and and there's there's definitely more to it than like. You know, Tailwind, uh, I give it the benefit that it just really does, like, you have to learn that, but uh, conceptually, there is just kind of, like, class names. And whereas Tamagui, I think it's a little bit more, like, you have a design system that you can customize. I mean, you can use the off-the-shelf one, but uh, you also can customize it, and so you'll run into that at some point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think for very web-focused projects where, like, you're like if you were a studio, like an agency, you know, that's building, like, a, a very fancy, like, website and you're trying to do like scroll effects and you're trying to do like you know crazy like animations and stuff like that like intense animations like obviously you can use class name or inline styles in tamagui and, and do that but i just think like you know that's kind of getting to the point where like if, if it's web only and you're expecting to go very deep into css land um do that another example is like container queries for example we're working on them very excited to, to get them to land like very excited because yeah, it'll work on native, which doesn't have that concept, but we can obviously add that. Um, So yeah, there's a lot of, everyone's waiting for it, but it's been a lot to kind of figure out the syntax and everything. Um, But like, yeah, for example, like container queries, they pretty much are supported on modern browsers today. So like you would have to sidestep Tamagui and like that would be its own thing. You could use them, but again, you'd be using like class name and stuff. And so you do have to have that, you have to accept that there's probably going to be some lag time if you want like these universal concepts um to be fully supported like in in a way that works with the the design system that you have for example um so yeah those are different caveats um the setup too like definitely you know there is some setup and so uh, that's probably the biggest one that we need to work on because you know i think for a lot of people they just go with what's familiar or what's easy to set up and um it's yeah it's one of those things it's hard to it's hard to focus on when you have container queries you know it's like container queries or like helping configuration it's always hard to uh to choose like the the less sexy path,
2: uh, yeah. So just like some other benefits that we may not have covered so far. So we've we've talked about uh, the compiler. We've talked about animations. We've talked about um, the sort of you know benefits of the styling system and the types that come along with that. Is there anything that we didn't mm-hmm. cover?
0: I mean, I think you guys did a great job with those questions because, I mean, those are really, like, yeah, this some of the style system benefits, animations and all that, the universal thing. The, obviously, the compiler, I think, is the big one. Um, the fact that it's, it's not just about bundle size, it's not just about CSS, but it's also about, like, runtime performance. That's, like, I think a big one to emphasize. You get really nice runtime performance improvements. Um, so if your app is slow feeling, that can really help with that. Um, I think the final thing is the theme system. The, the theme system is probably the coolest part almost of Tamagui. And it's, I'm going to have some cool stuff coming out very soon for that. Because um, the themes, we went for power. I, I definitely, like, you know, I, I kind of went deep and I've been doing these component systems for so long that I kind of knew what I needed. But uh, the first versions of themes were, like, very powerful but very hard to work with. And then we've slowly built up better abstractions around them. We just released this thing called uh, Theme Builder, which... Gives you this very nice chainable API. Um, There's a guide on the website now that's like kind of very nice, and it walks through all the concepts and builds up to it with like diagrams. And it's it's a I spent a lot a lot of time on that guide. I think it's pretty cool, but I still think almost no one's using it yet because it's um, I just think the Tamagui theme system that comes with it is pretty nice, and most people aren't trying to fuss around with that. But we're working on these next things now, which is um, kind of like a studio type thing where you can like visually go and create like a theme suite. and the, the power in our theme system, like I've been playing with it lately and it's getting very, very exciting. Um, but yeah, the themes, they they can nest as many times as you want. So you can have sub, sub themes that nest down. And so if you have your root light and dark themes, but then you have like an alert or like, let's say like, you know, you have a lot of like tool tips or warning dialogues, right? And that one's, they want to be yellow. So, I mean, What's nice is that you can wrap that with a theme that's alert or error, right? And it'll actually like retheme all the subcomponents in that tree. So the buttons inside of that will turn red and the tooltips will turn red and everything. Like it, it literally will retheme everything below that thing. But then you can go in there and even further nest it. Like we have this idea of inversing, which is very cool. So you can like just inverse any theme as long as there's a dark and light version, it knows to like flip at that level of the tree. Um, and if it's a dark red theme, it'll flip to light red, for example, at that level. So it's kind of cool in that, in that sense. Like, I just think the theme system is, it's so badass. Uh, it's taken an insane amount of work to really get it to work, especially like with server side rendering, like there's been so many like hydration issues and also avoiding re-renders, like I mentioned, like that, like all that stuff together has been just a ton of work to get going. and um so we're getting like very close, I think, to where people can go in and generate all these theme suites. Like we've been, I've been playing with it and like generating like neon. It's like neon green with like bright outlines or like you know, very subtle like deserty look and stuff like that. And, um, and, then, and I think the coolest part though is that it's not just like you can you can also target down to the component. So like each component, if you give it a name, like it's a styled component right, but you can give it a name so you can you can name it like a button or something. And then it looks for that sub theme. So if you have a dark red theme and then underscore button, it'll automatically like that component will try and find that theme. And, and then uh, we have this idea of masks to generate the theme. So it's like, the cool thing is like, you can potentially go in and say like, I want my like my red to have much higher contrast, you know? And for all, the, for all these components inside of it, like this, the buttons should be like much more contrasty or flip and inverse the text and all this stuff. And like, we're just getting to the point where like it's the power's been there, but the ease of use hasn't. The ease of use is now mostly there on the programmatic side, but now it's still like, it's just hard because you need to visualize all this stuff, right? It's at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's still hard for me to generate themes because like at the end of the day, I need to see them and have like a good loop to like tweak things and have all the right concepts. And so I think we've built up those concepts um, and all the abstractions. And now we're just kind of um, putting together like the, the visual side of it. That's going to be, it's very exciting to me. So that visual side is the studio. Good segue. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the studio, it's an amorphous <laughs> thing. I, I haven't known exactly what it is. I mean, I've known that I've, what I've wanted, but like, it's been hard to pin down what it should be, especially the first version. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I finally, I think we've gotten like a lot of clarity on it because we were playing with lots of different concepts with it and trying to like, make a very advanced version of it work. Um, and I think it was actually the wrong way to, to approach it. So we've been redoing uh, a more like step-by-step thing where you choose like at each level, like do you want dark and light? Okay, here's your base themes, choose the colors. Okay, do you want more or less contrast? You can like choose different options. Okay, and then it gives you like a preview screen and you can tweak everything and then you can go in and apply like, do you want these components to be more or less uh, emphasized and like borders, do you want the borders to be more or less? So it's like, it's kind of cool. Like now it's more of a like, step-by-step theme building uh, process. It's very like, it's got like a lot of explanations now at each step too, which is pretty cool. Like little like pointers that kind of show you what's going on. Um, and I'm very happy with that. Like it's 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 a huge, like the, the old version was more like a Figma type thing where it's like, here's all your components and here's all your themes and click around and like tweak things. And so I even, I was kind of getting lost and like, well, okay. Like, whereas this is a much more like, you can import your existing one and tweak it at each step or you can just generate a new one. And I think we're going to start with that. And then, hopefully keep building up from there. Like, I think there's a lot of interesting potential integration with Figma, both import and export kind of like integration with Figma. I think that the studio could have, there's some storybook like directions maybe where like you can host all your components and like screens maybe even, and like, and there's also some interesting things where it could maybe run as an extension in your browser. And like, you could tweak things within your app actually, and like change the themes on the fly as your app is running. So lots of like Lots of like big ideas, but uh, we have to actually ship something. So this first one, hopefully, is just going to be this like theme editor, theme guide. guide.
2: You've also got uh, Takeout, which is, uh, well, why don't you describe it?
0: But uh, yeah, Takeout is, um, that is our first attempt to make this sustainable. It's been, Tomagoo has been open source and we've, I've been spending like nights and weekends, basically a lot of nights and weekends on it since I started a couple of years ago, almost. Um so uh, we we got a lot of sponsors. I've been really, really, uh, honestly blessed to get so many sponsors, um, and we've got a couple more that have just joined, which is pretty cool, like corporate sponsors. But it's just not enough, like, to really make it worth it. So we launched um, we launched this first, I guess, attempt to make some money back. It's called Takeout, and it's it's actually really nice. It's just like we we've, we've kind of built our dream stack of what exists today that we think is the best stack for today in terms of like realistically deploying a cross-platform app uh, with everything that you need. Um, So it's mostly based on Supabase. It's building off the starter that you get the free starter that we have. So Next.js and Expo, Monorepo, kind of Solido, all that stuff. And then we added on Supabase with all the different auth and and database setup, migrations, and all that stuff set up. It's got... A bunch of screens set up too, so you have you have pro you have like login and forgot and all the different off screens that are universal and adapt. You know, it's got onboarding screens, it's got a bunch of stuff, uh, settings and account screens. We we try to try, try to cover like all the stuff that you basically need for any sort of app that has like a user system. So it's got all that user system stuff, including all the settings screens, which are pretty nice, like light and dark settings that get persisted and and or system or whatever, and like all the different like screens there, account edit, upload profile picture. Um, and uh, stuff like that. So and I think it shows you how to use like RLS, like and how to secure them. Um, because that's all set up for the the profile screens and stuff like that. So it's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I start a project um of my own, that's where I would that's where I would go. And um it's do actually it's doing pretty well. Like I I'm not gonna lie, like I was kind of surprised. Like, I don't know, most people don't sell starter kits. Uh most starter kits are free. And but I mean we put so much work, like we really did. Um Put a lot of work into making it really nice and i think it's unique because like Tom is kind of like there's not much else that really is delivering on this cross-platform um sort of dream and um and so yeah i think people who are like interested in in building a native and web app or seem to be responding which is pretty cool we'll see how you know after the hype dies down uh, but i do want to also give a big shout out to, to ali who's been he joined at the beginning of this year as basically full-time and he was a contributor that was I was giving him some of the sponsorship money to help and he's just been amazing. Uh, Just a really, really great guy. um, So easy to work with and um, just consistently is outputting like really great work and he's led basically takeout uh, because, you know, it's much more efficient for me to be dealing with all the day-to-day bugs and stuff. So I, I just basically sit there and like he tells me bugs in takeout or people tell me bugs that are happening all over and I'm just trying to like keep things afloat and then uh, help him here and there with like decisions and like different little things and takeout. But for the most part, um, he, uh, he drove that project and uh, yeah, it's, it's been great. Like uh, I feel like it's, we're sustainable, like more than sustainable now. So hopefully that keeps going. And we're, we're thinking about adding on more stuff. Like we, we, we got all of Google fonts, for example, we made like a very long script that like subsets them and like, converts them into like a nice bundle for, for native and for web and like gives you there's even a CLI that you just run a command and it shows you like okay copy and paste this here or there and, not, and now you're set up and so we did that for all of google fonts and we also did that for all of the icons on Icones I think is what it's org or something like that what is it I'll have to figure it out Icones yeah Icones.js.org. Um so it's like 15,000 icons or something like that across like 50 or something like that, icon packages. So it's kind of cool. You can plug in, you know, unlimited icons and a bunch of fonts, but we're going to keep, I think the plan is to just keep adding on and trying to make that value really high of like um, more cool fonts, um, more like more theme packages, definitely like very interesting theme packages because uh, we have a couple extras there, but we can definitely add on more. And there's a lot of things like testing. I think we're, we, we got um, Storybook working for Native and Web, but like testing could be a lot, better set up, I think, and have a really nice clean setup. So yeah, let's take out. Oh, and the, the bot. Yeah, obviously, I think that's one thing that's like, kind of cool. It's like, it sends updates. Um, so like, um, we try to structure it in a very in a way that's like, for example, we don't like nest your providers, we we, we do them in a way that like, lets you do them flat, we try to like, kind of design the repo to be mergeable. And like, so you can like stay in your areas. But the infrastructure stuff is hidden into like these different areas. And so we've sent out like five or six updates since we launched it a few weeks ago and so far so good like we've had no complaints a lot of a lot of uh, people are are like giving us good reviews so um there's been like we got to improve the granularity i think of the bot we've been sending too big of updates almost but uh, it seems to be
1: working so that's cool Yeah, it's pretty cool the the value proposition is definitely there with all the stuff Tamagui provides and then like the know-how of just running a repo like this paired with the updates like I'll admit I've been eyeing it for uh, one of my my projects that I nice. want to do. Yeah, I'll take that.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> high value here. I mean, you know, it takes it takes a long time to build something like this. <laughs> also, the takeout website is excellent. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. Tomagui too. I mean, excellent websites. They're so.
0: Thanks, man. I had fun with with takeout. That was a really cool project. I had to tone down a lot of the graphics because, like, we I had like a lot of graphics going on in that header, and I think I removed like. Most of them, unfortunately, because, uh, yeah. But but browsers are so good. Like, um, shout out to um, Mixed Blend mode. Like, that's a, such a cool new CSS thing. And, like, Clip Path and then, like, WebGL. It's like you have, like, Mixed Blend running on top of a SVG on a custom font with, like, a WebGL thing rotating behind it. I mean, it's pretty crazy that that works these days.
1: It is, yeah. The the hard to catch up with the web. <laughs> and my first tool tip of the week uh, is another component from the developer that did Sonner, the like uh, React component for Toast that has a really nice API. I'm pretty sure he works at Vercel. This is a, a similar component uh, coded in the Radix style where uh, it's a drawer and it has all the mobile interactions, like you can drag the header and dismiss it. So. I just love little components like this, and I thought it'd be a nice thing to bring up given the conversation we just had. And you guys have something similar in uh, Tamagui, right?
0: Yep. We have a drawer that's been hard fought. It's one of the harder components to build. Yeah, those drag interactions are no joke.
2: So
1: yeah, I saw Vol too. It's very, very cool. Next up, we have Libre Caslon Condensed. Yeah,
2: I I saw this font get advertised on Twitter. Um, Yeah, so I am always down for a new font and especially a free new font. And this one is just gorgeous. Um, I have definitely uh, scoped this one out <laughs> for some use cases. But yeah, I don't know. If you are looking for a new font, definitely check out
1: this. So I can put something other than enter on my websites. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: It's a real, I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal serif font. And, and I also specifically. Enjoy condensed fonts, especially for headlines. Um, I feel like there is a tendency a lot of times to take up too much space. And I like, you know, being kind of very punchy with it. So this is a really good one.
0: <laughs> well, mine feels a little out of place. It's not, it's not as much of like a tool tip. My other one is, though. My other one is. But, uh, I just have to shout out GQD every chance I get because um, to me, it's the coolest thing in the world. It's a GraphQL library. You just write your queries like with a hook, like use query, and then works backwards to the GraphQL query. I use it on a yeah that's a good example right there that playground but like I use it on a, f- a large app and it's literally the best data like if you want an alternative future to React server components like this to me is is that it's literally the most beautiful API I've ever seen for fetching data uh, I think if it was paired with a really nice backend thing to to have your graph be pretty easy to build which I I have some ideas around um, but yeah I just it's such an underloved library. It's so well done. Um I've I contributed to some of its development early on. <laughs> uh yeah, so I see myself there. But uh <laughs> but yeah, I mean um they just they deserve much more love. Very cool stuff.
1: So is it like doing some crazy stuff to construct that graphQL query?
0: It is. Yeah. There's this some is... interesting details to be discussed there, but like yeah, it basically is proxying and reading what you're reading and and mapping that back to a uh
2: GraphQL query is this similar at all to uh gqL list?
0: Yes That's such a cool it's record. a fork of GQL that I actually was using GQL and it was really slow and then i've it is a whole story, but the developer of GQL was not um, cooperating and like blocked us from the repo and stuff like that. it was we were trying to work with them anyways. We ended up just uh renaming it because that was our only option, but GqD is literally a fork it was rewritten actually um to be like very fast so it's basically a fast G, gq list but yeah the guy who i mean to, to his credit the guy who came up with it was like 16 at the time when he released it and it's such a such an impressive library for someone at 16 it's like it's because it's not only is it a novel idea you know it's not just like so there, there's people that do impressive technical it's like it's very hard to find the intersection i think of hard tech and a new idea like, I see a lot of kids that are like, oh, I, I built a recursive, you know, optimizing compiler, whatever, like a descent, this or that, you know, crazy thing, but it's like something that's been done. Um, but to have a new idea and then to like actually implement it, like shout out, that, that was a very impressive project, I thought.
2: Yeah. I remember one of the things that when we were doing React Native at Artsy in particular, there was this always cases where, you know, you would be, you would leave a field And that field would still be in the query when you'd removed it from the ui or something like that it's like we had a thing where we'd set up type safety or something so it would map up so we'd like know if we were querying it but the opposite was not always true it's like if we removed it from the ui are we even still using this thing anymore and uh this is really great because it's like you just think about the ui and it sort of builds out the query for you and that that's super powerful
1: okay next up we have uh mine Uh, Postgres language server. This came out from Supabase and they implemented a language server just for Postgres for VS Code because apparently all the other SQL language servers aren't just Postgres. So uh, I just find this really cool that uh, they didn't really have to do this, but they took the time to implement something that's pretty complicated and everybody can benefit and not just Supabase users. So uh, shout out to them for that.
2: They are pretty deep in the Postgres ecosystem. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Next up we have DXOS.
2: Yeah, so my my friend Jess Martin has been doing a little bit of work on this, and it is a way of building distributed local-first software. So they have like a little demo on their homepage here um, where, yeah, I mean essentially all the things that you can think of if you're trying to make like a sync engine kind of like Linear did, but maybe not exactly that like that. But yeah. So it's just a um sort of a toolkit for for building yeah uh multiplayer uh peer-to-peer local first applications and they're doing some really good work there. So if if that sounds like something you're trying to do then then check out this library. It's it's really interesting.
1: That is really cool. And last up we have another font, uh uncut.
0: <laughs> a little bit of a funny name now that I think about it. Uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's actually not a font, it's just a collection of fonts. But I found this while working on takeout. it's actually where I found the font that we use called Cherry Bomb. Um, the especially the title, I think or the display section. I just found this recently. I don't know how old it is if it's old or new, but it's got um, just cool stuff, like different looking fonts. It's like a really nice collection. I'm probably gonna try and like add it into our Tamagui's, you know
1: CLI script or thing because it's, it's got it's like a nice nice, Suite of fonts. Yeah, there's uh some some wacky ones in here. Well, that wraps it up for tool tips. Thanks for coming on the episode, Nate. This was a really fun time getting to learn about Tamagui and all the different considerations you have to make when building for so many platforms.
0: Yeah, thank you guys so much. Uh, this was uh, it was a great conversation. You guys brought up all the good points, so I appreciate that, and it was really nice to uh, to chat.
1: Yeah, and massive
2: respect. I know having worked on something similar for a short time, I know this has been a ton of work. So it's really cool to see what you built.